0: What's up? I'm your host, Priest Willis, and this is Missions and Marketplace Podcast, episode number 22. And our guest is again. Michael Smith. This is part two of our personal development series where Michael and I cover different topics ranging from how do you activate your calling down to how do you focus on following through on your plans, your business goals, how do you influence the culture around you, more importantly, how do you take all of these things and actually show up when it's time with your activated calling with your plans and all of these things that we hope and dream for that we talk at night with our spouses and you know our friends. And I said this in the first intro of part one, that Mike has been one of my personal best guests simply because he speaks to the core of who I am. I really enjoy talking to someone that kind of looks at human interaction from a philosophy level, and he really understands people of that. As I mentioned in part one, he was a pastor for 13, 14 years at the Church of Jackson he spent time at different large corporations on personal development. He's a father. He's a friend of many. So, you know, we have a man with many different facets to him that looks at the world differently than just saying, I'm with this party, I'm this color, I'm this person. And that's someone that I truly can appreciate. So please buckle back in, check out part two. This is really good. Without further ado, here is my friend and guest, Michael Smith.
1: Welcome to Missions and Marketplace Podcast. Join us as we talk to business and thought leaders to discuss their passion in and outside of business and how it drives them to give and be citizens of goodwill. Let's get started. It's being before doing. When, When who you are drives what you do, uh, that alignment comes and I think that's where the real effect is.
0: Yeah. And ultimately that speaks louder than you just putting it on your LinkedIn page or your, mm-hmm. your resume that I am the guru of this. I mean, yeah. your life has led you and taught you up to. I'm not a subscriber personally. I mean, uh, you know, I'm a biracial male and I've spent as much time with the white side of my family as I have the black side. Now that's not to say that I know both sides. So listen to me because I'm a guru, but because I've had the cultural experience it does allow me to kind of speak a bit to it. So look, your life has certainly proved that I mean, I know you were younger when you went to Atlanta and you spent a lot of time around the not so melon challenge folks. And so, you know, I'd especially listen to someone like yourself who is, you know, a white male, Caucasian male mm-hmm. in this black experience, if you will. It's mm-hmm. almost like, Mike, what do you think about what, what is it that you see Sometimes culturally we do get closed off about what other people see just because they're not quote unquote a part of it. Sure. Which ultimately if you're if you're in the, the trenches, if you will, you're you're certainly a part of it, no matter what color you are, frankly.
1: Yeah, and I think I think that's so true. And one of the things I've learned is, you know, people ask me, Well, who do you think you are? I, I don't think I'm anything. I just have a tiny piece. I'm not saying I have the whole piece. Right. I'm not saying I have the most important piece, but if there's an open door to share my little piece. I, I don't care. Tear it up. Uh, tell me why it doesn't work. But but make sure you have a well thought out reason for why it doesn't work, because I'm not just sharing passion. I'm not just sharing opinion. Uh, I'm sharing nuanced what I would. Of course, we'd like to think, well, reason, but also, you know, a, a couple of decades of of sitting and observation and consideration, contemplation, conversation. And I tell you this, anything I've done in that area has for one reason or another, maybe just people were gracious and say, well, you know, just Bless his heart. He doesn't know any better, but we're going to just tell him it's okay. Uh, But by and large, people are generally open because they know that what I speak comes from a place of compassion, comes from a place of humility, comes from a place of genuine care. And that's who I'd like to think I am. That's who I'd like to think that I'm, you know, that I would like to judge my heart that way. You know, I'm maybe not qualified. A buddy of mine said um, he was staying at an Amish uh, retreat for vacation. He said, yeah, I've gone cruises. I've gone uh, Vegas. I've gone New York. He said, I want something simple. He said, so I went to Amish country. I said, you found it. He said, we just sat there. We, you know, got our own eggs, got our own milk. He said it was really great. And he said, but I, I asked the guy, you know, this was a pastor friend of mine. He said, I asked the guy, are you a Christian? Uh, he said his host family, he asked the guy, he says, are you a Christian? And the guy says, well, I can't really answer that. And he says, why not? And he said, well, if you're going to find out if I'm a Christian, he said, you have to ask my neighbor. Wow. That has all stuck with me. So if you say, well, you know, what does my care about race? What does my care about, you know, outcomes of individual people and organizations, you know, versus corporate objectives? You, well, I could tell you all day long what I think my summary is of me. But you'd have to ask the people around me and find out if that's
0: true. You know, and I think what slows down the human race, quote unquote race, is the fact that we've become so close minded to what the other person I mean, you know, even from a political standpoint, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. politics, religion, even in business, when we think we have the answer, we don't listen to anyone else's input. I mean, look, I can remain a Christian and still talk to a Muslim. And hear his, you know, in the Bible, and I I just mentioned this on Facebook, you know, I I believe it's Paul in the Bible that talks about he knew how to abase, he knew how to abound. So he knows how to go to a place with people that seemingly down, or you can take it one step further. And, you know, they don't necessarily believe or talk like you talk, but... He knows how to go to that place with you, but he also knows how to go to the other place or to a higher place or whatever, whatever side you may see that on. And I think, you know, as humans, sometimes we're so closed off that this is my party. And so I don't need to hear any other input because I've made a decision that this is my color, this is my party, and this is where I'm at. And I can cry if I want to.
1: Yes, exactly. I would tell you this, the ability for human beings to divide themselves yeah, and it's a living division. Uh One of my mentors refers to it as the spirit of division. And again, people may not come from a theistic worldview, but either way, it's black white. It's you know, I, I tell you, a guy. Um, I was out to dinner one time and is uh, at a Chinese restaurant, and the and the guy asked the server said, "Are you Chinese?" Uh You know, it, we had been there a lot of times. And he person So "Are you Chinese, China?" And the guy cussed. He's man, blank, blank. He said, I'm not Chinese. And, and it was like from his, from our Western view, this guy, this guys I was eating with was black. He says, he says, well, are you Chinese? And it's just so easy. Well, you're, you know, you're not white or black. So you must be from over there and you're at a Chinese restaurant. So you must be Chinese. And when we have a limited exposure database, we look at our database and based on that, we form opinions and, and it shapes our worldview and our approach and response. But I was amazed that the man's anger or, you know, I'm not Chinese. Uh, Being associated
0: uh, with something. Somewhere,
1: yeah. 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 And so, or, or you say to somebody, say, were well, you Mexican? And they said, you know, blank, I'm not Mexican. I'm Cuban or I'm Puerto Rican or, and, and to, from a white world, you think, well, yeah, same thing. And it's not something <laughs> because d- the division, the ability. So you would think, well, all Latino, uh, people, they're all, you know, they 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 all see themselves as one. That's not true. You put 50 people in a room, the blacks are eventually going to find some sort of division against the whites, the Hutus and the Tootsies, the people with glasses, without glasses, mm-hmm. bald, uh, you know, tall. Not, it's, it's amazing our ability to divide. I just came from a huge meeting at a, at a company. Uh, that was doing their annual meeting, and it was a labor union that I was doing work for, and, and I never, I have no idea how I ever got involved with labor unions and asking me to speak to their people. I have no idea. I'm a staunch capitalist. I believe in conscious capitalism, and I think that's yes. maybe where the stumble is because I deal with. I deal with human beings at the end of the day it's you know, capitalism has has to have a human aim so how I ever ended up in these places and I hate to even say staunch capitalist because when you label something you can limit it and people go oh then you must believe x y and z you would have to know me to know what I believe because I'm I'm a lot of conflicting uh, uh or seemingly conflicting things because I believe there's a context in which seemingly conflicting worldviews can exist in a peaceful tension even within even within a single individual agreed
0: so and um, I, I believe people are more complex than that other people are too but they've they've limited themselves mike you and i have kind of freed ourselves from trying to align ourselves to a party or yeah. capitalism or I'm, I'm 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 a socialist or whatever the case is which yeah. has allowed us the ability to write down on a sheet of paper who we think we are and it goes across all parties races
1: yeah. The, yeah, yeah, that's, that's the, good. That's exactly right. So, so I'm in this meeting, and the the whole labor meeting is divided against the the management and how they've done us wrong and how this and that. But then I started noticing that the older guys in the same meeting were divided against the younger guys, and the younger guys right. and the older guys, or the you know the older employees and the younger employees, the men and women, etc. They're fighting. Um, you know, so so the labor organization itself is fighting against management, but within the labor organization, the older are fighting against the younger, and it's amazing our ability. To divide. So when you bring up politics, um, especially in the states, and I know this goes internationally, but especially in the states, this two-party system—it's d- hard to get anybody that appreciates. Well, I think I think a lot of these men and women in p- politics, you know, they appreciate nuance, but they're but anybody that really values it, they're not going to get very far because un- unless you ch- you know check these eleven boxes, yep. you can't represent us. And God forbid somebody say on key issues as is taxation or healthcare or or uh you know abortion or whatever that that it's more nuanced than that and yep. we try it. it's it's uh you know I've, I've got a little mini book teaching that i do from heather to charcoal on uh, shades of gray and and uh this idea of you know maybe the answer is not either or maybe it's both and mm-hmm. and I say well that's not going to get you on a ticket and so i really have to sell my soul uh, you know, why can't we have a person that believes in universal health care as as a right of citizenship and also believes in, uh, you know, not limiting the Second Amendment? I don't know. I don't know what two things seem to be competing. But I know that if you have a person that that believes a little bit of both, we'll never we'll never have them as an option mm-hmm. uh, for president, him or her. Um, mm-hmm. and And that's sad. And the other thing is, too, you know, people get mad at Democrats and Republicans. And, you know, we've got this thing where the president's going to put a supreme court nomination and we're not going to let it happen and then I, I hear people citizens arguing is like you know look at these republicans trying to do this and look at these democrats trying to do this and nobody realizes that that you just don't walk up to washington and say i'm here to vote on this this law or this amendment you were voted there which means when you look at a, a senator who says i'm not going to let the president do this and you look at the president and say, i'm not going to let a senator stop me they're both there because people like so people I, yeah yeah decided they represent us and so if That's i decide good. i don't want the president to I don't want the president to be able to get his agenda done I'm going to vote on a guy or a lady that's going to stop that from happening and if I want the president to be able to get his agenda done I'm voting for the president and really we think we think these pawns these political pawns are divided against one another it's you and I who have to come to the decision that that my fellow man my fellow citizen decided no I don't think what the president is doing should happen and I'm going to put somebody up there that's gonna dig their heels in the ground and resist them and then the president you know I, I voted for the president and i can't believe all these people are getting in his way uh, or her way uh, the truth is they represent us and it's a divided nation it, it's taking a quarter separating the head side from the tail side and trying to make only the heads or only the tails the sum total of all truth mm. that's the problem mm. that when we play a game we go okay which side are you are you conservative? Or are you liberal? Are you capitalist? Or are you social? Which side are you? And once you pick it, you, you, you say, well, you're, I'm sorry, you can't argue my point because you have your point. And therein is the dysfunction because it's a lot of complexity. And I think even, you know, people had hope for President Obama. Maybe what he found, I heard a comedian say, you know, um, he says, everybody uh, runs for office and they tell you what they're going to do. And he says, then they get elected and they see what's really going on. Uh, And uh, you know, it's like we're going to repeal the Patriot Act, and we're not going to listen on people's phones, and we're going to shut down Guantanamo Bay. He said that's all before you're president. And then, when you're president, the first day somebody walks in and shows you the file of who's trying to kill us and everything else, you're like, oh my god! Okay, leave it all in place. You know, so we all sit out here and talk about. I don't believe the president lied. I don't believe you know Senator Obama at that time lied about what he was what he was going to do. I just believe he got in and realized, you know what, there's a lot of complexity here and and I'm everybody's president and and, and I got to look at both sides. And and man, you get punished. You get punished if you just try to even view something as not as simple. And so progressives hated him because he wasn't hard enough. Conservatives hated him because,
0: you know, and it's just. um, You you know what has been the common thread? Every man that has went into that office, has hair has went gray immediately. So that stack of paper (laughs) maybe. That may be a true aspect of what you're saying, that as soon as they're showed that file, whatever it yeah. is, their hair just goes gray. And I, I guess you need a level of naivety to kind of run for office. Otherwise, yeah, you, you really—that's right. My dad says you have to question
1: the sanity of anybody <laughs> that wants to be president. And I say that jokingly. It's really a service. You know, when he won his second term, I, I sent him a letter. You know, to his house, I have his address. So what, did, address. what
0: did you say? What did you? What did what? I said, <laughs> you I said, have his address? You, you just <laughs> <it's>, you, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, just personal. I don't want to share. You know, <laughs> on your podcast, but I—I you know, know where he lives. You know, I've, I've actually been to his house. Um, <laughs> you know, but I don't. I don't, don't want to name drugs. <laughs> anyway, so moving on. But I wrote yes. a letter and I said, uh, I said, you know, after his, in 08, I said, I mean, in 12, I said, you know, congratulations on your second term. And I thought, you know, maybe congratulations isn't, and I wrote this in the letter, isn't the right word. Uh, maybe it's thank you. Wow. Uh, you know, thank you for agreeing to, to do this again. And people say, oh, so you're you're a Democrat. And no, uh, you know, I, I, I appreciate President Bush. I appreciate uh, President Obama. I appreciate President Clinton. I appreciate President Bush. I, yep. I'm I'm a behaviorist I'm a student of humanity and the it's it's like volleyball you know you play volleyball and I, I don't know if it's every third game or whatever you switch sides it's like okay you serve you serve now we rotate that's all that happens. It's like everybody has a suspicion that Democrats are evil and they're they're going against the country and they're putting their their programs ahead of the good of America. And then if we get a Republican president, we all switch sides. And now the president is evil. And I don't want to, you know, uh, try to come across as intellectually superior or whatever, but I think I graduated from all that. I just think that mm. and maybe it's pastoring, maybe maybe 25 years of being in ministry has let me know that, that the decisions that we think are just so clear when you get down to really where people are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what people feel, uh, it's,
0: it's not always clear. It's not always, um. You've went to the heart of what we talked about 20 minutes ago. You've learned through pastoring, through leadership, how to base, how to bound. You've went mm-hmm. down sometimes with people when they were upset, hurt by the political process, or they thought Obama was going to come in and, you know, change the world and he didn't quite do it and people were fractured sure. and you as a pastor, you know, would talk to them. You kind of, you understand that it's not really black and white, like we all think. And it's not really cut and dry. And you just, you know, can throw people out here and start with a new group. And, uh, that's, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. And it's not even being tired of the political process. It's not even being tired of the business process. You would, you just understand deeper truths, just yeah. like I do. And that, that's why I don't necessarily get wrangled up. I don't get impressed or depressed by any political person, by any, Uh, business person. I I was told by my pastor that, you know, if you look at people straight ahead with love, they can can never let you down and they never can lift you up because you can constantly stay in love with them if you just look at them eye to eye.
1: I try to do that toward our elected officials. And I try to do that even towards the people, and this is the really hard part, who are so passionate and volatile about their view. It's I heard Malcolm X say something uh, one time. I didn't hear Malcolm X. I think I saw this on a tape or, or read this in a book. The idea of, you know, the puppet versus the puppet masters. And he says, you know, I look around at my brothers and I see the way they're doing this and doing that and doing this. And he said, I try not to get upset with the puppets. He said, I try to focus on the puppeteers. Mm. And he says, but sometimes that's hard. And sometimes it's so easy for me to look at somebody who's totally right or totally left and they're on social media and Obama's the devil and you know, and Trump's God or Trump's the devil and Obama's God or Kasich or Kasich or whatever. I, I try even not to look at them with like, you know, my, my flesh part of me says, you, you simple-minded Kool-Aid drinking fool. Don't you realize that if <laughs> you just switch channels, you're going to get two totally different truths. How about you shut off the radio for a month, get clarity. And all of a sudden you realize there is no, there there is no devil or God and what's going on. And Come and on. God's not on one side or the other, but I even try to give them the same grace and objectivity to realize it's just it's just water. It's it's what we drink. It's it's it shapes our worldview, and and we get told, you know. And I believe some of the science now, we get told what to think and what to believe, and we stick with that. And and anything that doesn't go in line with these things, we we vehemently and you know violently, um, hopefully not violently, but resist. But I now think that the new science that that I've been studying is that part of the issue with politics is that it's tied to uh, our hardwiring. It's tied to who we are. Uh, on, on, a, on, a, on a human brain level, that there are uh, certain wirings, personalities, etc., that are drawn to certain things. And so it's really a division of ourselves. It, you know, if, 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 if who you are is a very frugal person or who you are is a very, you know, this type of person just kind of at your hardwiring level, it interprets and informs how you, how you view politics. And so you, you're really not making a choice on worldview so much as you're making a choice on who you are but but the problem is when you make a choice based on who you are you not only dismiss the ideas of other people but you're actually dismissing their personhood you're dismissing their experience and that's where it gets dangerous i would say be passionate about it but not to the point where it divides you against another human being on the human level that you know it's uh it's uh you know egalitarian this idea that that not all ideas are equal but people are equal Mm -hmm. and i think that's what gets lost it's like okay i believe my idea is better uh i believe i see this from a from a clearer perspective. And I'd be willing to challenge your idea with my idea. And we'll see if we can, maybe I could just out talk you or maybe I can, or maybe I need to go do some more research. But that I think is healthy. I think all that debate, et cetera. But when it comes down to your idea is different from mine, and therefore you are as a human inferior to me, man, that's where it turns toxic and it does a lot of damage.
0: I really enjoy your philosophy on life and just kind of your take here. I mean, it's so inspiring to me. And I've told you that Right. Both privately and otherwise, you know, Mike. Ha, ha, at the end of everything, I know you're an awesome father and husband, or at least that's what I see on social media. Um, just, <laughs> just right. kidding. I,
1: I, <laughs> but uh, I want to love the man I pretend to be.
0: <laughs> right, but but how do you want to be remembered? What 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 is it that you you want your legacy to be? And I know this is kind of a morbid question, but um, I remember being asked in school, I believe it was, to kind of write out my um my obituary was which was really morbid, but it also makes you kind of examine how you want to be remembered. And I think, I think I know the answer to this, but how is it that you, you really want your legacy to stand after you're gone?
1: Well, let me start with my obituary needs to say something like, um, powerball jackpot winner michael t Smith, at, <laughs> had, had, start, start, you know uh, at 100 126 is uh, on his private family estate and,
0: and his uh, children love him greatly because of what he right, is yeah. Yeah.
1: In, in napa valley or whatever you know. yeah uh, this is interesting because
0: uh, we do deal with that
1: uh, in outcomes driven management and things we talk about is what you know reverse engineering let's let's talk about your death and then work that back to where you are and uh, ultimately and again this comes from my theistic worldview if you put anything on my headstone i would love for it to be something like uh, a, a man that knew his god because that's i think i think knowing who god is translates into knowing who we are translates into doing what god's plan is that would be one part of it another part of my legacy i would like to think is uh and i talk about this
0: now just you know, to be clear that's at the core of who you are so as you who, make that, yeah
1: that's at the yes. core of who i am and i and i know not everybody operates from that core and, and that's fine I, I i agree with people on a human level and then are yep. uh, our theistic or non-theistic worldview or monotheistic or polytheistic that's all secondary if you inhale and exhale um you have my dignity my respect my compassion and um my my full valued recognition that's beyond gender that's beyond anything. So I I am human first, mm-hmm. and I am a theistic human second, a monotheistic, an Abrahamic theistic, a Christian. All, all that is, and then you get down to American citizen, and then you get down to you know Costco versus Sam's. I mean, you know, it is, uh, <laughs> but you know everything else is is a point of division. So you know, on one part of me, that would be my thought. The other part of me, you know, I want my kids and my grandkids when I die to. Be just distraught. I mean, just all over the funeral home and trying to climb in the grave with the casket and having it brought up three more times so they can kiss me goodbye. And all <laughs> Papa's gone. And
0: Papa's That's a gone. Chicago funeral,
1: right? And I want, "Oh, Papa, we're going to miss you so much." And then as soon as they get in the limo to drive home, I want to say, "Man, how much did Papa leave you?" That's what <laughs> <laughs> I, want, I want. All that crying. I want all that crying stop. And then I want, my, I want my wife. I want my wife to stand up at my service and say and we've already agreed we were born six days apart she was born july 19 i was born july 25 same year we wow. were born six days apart. We, we feel like we were together in heaven and somehow we got lost in shipping or whatever and it took <laughs> us 27 years to find each other again um you know and who knows back before the internet how they were even managing packages in, in the <laughs> 70s um i want my wife to say you know we but we, anyway we made an agreement she can die one day after me um, or I think I, she should, she should, I one day before me, cause I don't want her to have that pain of being without me. Anyway, moving on. Um,
0: I want, <laughs> and I, want I say to, that humbly. I say that humbly.
1: I want her to get up and say, you know, you thought you knew my husband, but you didn't know the half. If you, wow. if you thought he was a good guy, you, you just really didn't know to the depth of who he was, that, that what he showed you uh, the part of Christ he showed you, or if you thought he was a good man or a, a guy that loved people, one of the greatest introductions i've ever had i was getting ready to speak and i the guy said I've, I've worked for this man i've known him for 20 years and all i can say is he's a master lover of people and what an odd thing um for somebody to say about you for to describe i mean that's that's so much better than accomplishments and awards to say i've just seen this guy just the way he loves people and so uh, i would like my wife to say well you think you know uh, but you really don't know because he could not show you the fullness. Uh, I, cause I certainly don't want her rolling her eyes as, as you know, you get up at the service and say, well, I've known Mike for 20 years or 50, hopefully it's going to be a lot longer than 20 years. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I did a podcast with Mike 50 years ago and blah, blah, blah. I I wanted to say priest, I appreciate you, but you just, and what you said is so true, but uh, you're you, not, you have a, no idea. Yeah. You're incomplete because you really didn't know who he was. So that's mm, that. That's good. But we did a thing at my dinner table. Um, you know, one of those family discussions and, and it was, um, this is moving beyond the spiritual, beyond the family. And now who I want to be in the community, local or global or any otherwise, uh, where the question was, what, what would your autobiography be called? And, you know, my son had, uh, you know, uh, something his was movie, Mike, you know, great teller of stories or, or, you know, the stories I told or something. And my daughter was, you know, a life in dance or whatever. And I, I was the last person to go. And I, and my wife says, So what is it? What would what do you want your autobiography to be called? And uh, it brings tears to my eyes. And 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 again, it's just a simple truth. I said, you know what I want it to be called? She said, What? I said, I want it to be called I Tried. Hmm. And that's really what it is. I, I tried to make the world better. I tried to look at systemic racism, poverty, et cetera, to see if we could get that ball moving in a different direction i tried to look at gender and inequality and sexual violence and and i tried to move that a little different direction i look at organizations and i i tried to make them more focused on people first rather so what do i want my legacy yeah the guy tried you know i don't know if he made a difference or not but man he he was trying to do trying to do it better and Mm -hmm. spent his life trying to do it better and so if i'm remembered for something maybe maybe my trying whether it's successful or not inspires somebody else to try maybe they have a success uh, or advance a success that that I wasn't able to do.
0: Before I let you go here, you know, you talked about having a small book and some other things. You know, how can people reach you and kind of just hear some of your input and you know other things and just kind of glean from you socially. You know, what what are some things that people can look you up to find any books or any other things that you have out there? Blogs. Yeah.
1: Yeah, this is, uh, you can go to michaelandconnie.com. Um, and that's kind of being constructed right now because I really got to find an outlet, you know, to, uh, to pour out these, you know, I guess what George Carlin would call brain droppings. They're just these things. And part of it is they're so random. I, you know, I, I've talked about, and I think you and I may have talked about this. I don't remember, but Da Vinci, you know, he spent his time in two different places. One was under some Bishop and another was under some, um, yep. you know, whatever. Yep. And you just have to think of Da Vinci say, so, you know, the guy comes down, he says, well, you know, you, you live on my property. We fund you, we, you know, you have money for these ideas. What you been working on a day, you know, Leonardo. And he says, Oh, today, you know, I've been, uh, I worked on a, a, a thing. It's, it's, it's called a flying copter and the way it works and, you know, and the, the the uh, wings spin around and and so he's got this drawing of all this uh, you know and it's like oh wow and then you come back a month later what are you working on today he said well i've designed a weapon and uh and uh it's able to to throw you know steel steel bearings you know uh, 300 feet or whatever and then you come back and you say well you know a month later leonardo what you got going on is i'm working on a painting uh of the last supper that jesus had you know and he says, well, what, what do you do? What what you know?" And he says, well, I'm, I'm really looking at the human body and I've noticed that we've never really had anything that kind of shows, you know, the symmetry and show, well, are you a doctor? Or are you, a, what what are you? I'm just, I'm just me. I find that the stuff that I'm involved in, whether it's writing a children's book or dealing with um, the normalcy of, of, the accepted normalcy of violence, you know, in certain communities, uh, they don't really go under one heading. They don't really go under one uh, LLC Uh, And so this this michaelandconny.com that I'm I'm creating, as we speak, it's just kind of getting up and running. Uh, Is just kind of be the place where I can drop all of it. And um, I try to keep my business stuff out of it. There's nothing for sale. There's nothing for this. Uh, I don't really have to build a business brand. You know, when a person calls me and says, "Hey, I'd like you to come to my organization," Uh, you know, can me give me your bio? I said, "Well, who told you about me?" They said, "Well, so and so." I said, "Do you respect them? Yeah. Do you trust them? Yeah." then you go off that, but there's nothing I'm going to give you. That's going to say, you know, um, you're right for my organization. I want my reputation. Mm. Uh, and as a matter of fact, I just spoke, um, the other day and, and, um, I said, well, how did you find out? He said, so-and-so heard you speak in New Orleans and said, whatever it takes to get you here, get you here. So he called you. I want people that have tasted of the fruit to go, this is what we want versus me trying to sell uh, myself. And I know not all entrepreneurs have that luxury. You know, sometimes you have to sell. You have to, you know, uh, aggressively insert yourself into the marketplace, into, you know, the buyer's view, et cetera. I, I get that, but I'm gratefully at the place where I got to turn down. I got to turn down business uh, because I really only want to be in what's relationship driven or what's meaningful. So uh, the website, uh, you you know, when you get on there, it's just my blog. It's just it it could be anything. It could be a a strange joke that I found funny or it could be um, commentary on what needs to happen politically or or racially or maritally etc so that would be where
0: I'd start I want to make sure that I tell the audience he's not going to say it but uh, you guys be sure to check out michaelandconnie.com but his (laughs) musings that I read um, whether it's Facebook we've had several conversations (laughs) he is a man that I follow I'm inspired by I want you guys to check him out he really has a lot to offer go check out the TEDx on YouTube I believe you can check out uh, TEDx um, Florida and then uh, you know Plus Michael Smith and he'll come right up under that search. Mike, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I really appreciate your time. I love you much, brother.
1: I love you too. And priest, you're just a joy. You stir me up. Um, you just you make you make me a, a better man just talking to you and hearing your heart. And even like not just here but in our phone conversation, I I told Connie. She said, "Well, how'd it go with priest?" I said, "Connie, just I just felt inspired. That's I just I mm. le- left. I hung up the phone, lifted like, wow, man, just." It can be done. And uh, so I, I appreciate uh, I appreciate our connection. I'm looking forward to it growing and expanding.
0: Same here. I really appreciate you. Love you. Thank you. You guys check out yep. com. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, sir. Good day. Thank you for listening
1: to Missions and Marketplace. If you have a brand or business that you want to take online, or you're already online and looking for more exposure, visit us at AffiliateMission.com, the premier affiliate marketing and management agency. Also feel free to get social with us and check our Facebook, LinkedIn and Twitter pages and share with us your story on how you're leaving a mark in the world.